Today's trade, as we said in the release, is about doing everything we can as an organization um, to continue our mission and our goal of giving our, our team as many bites at the apple as we possibly can. So- That's David Stearns speaking as the deadline was coming and going. Josh Hader's a Padre. The Brewers made a couple relief pitching moves and now go forward to the rest of their season. Uh, they're in action in Pittsburgh tonight. The good news, which must be noted, Freddie Peralta is back after a prolonged absence on the injured list. So good news there. The rotation, at least, if he can come back and be effective, you're looking at Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Lauer, and Ashby, which is definitely where you want the rotation to be. I would argue better than where it was entering the season with Hauser there as the fifth guy. But come playoff time, could see Ashby go to the pen. They could go four-man rotation. Good news there, even though I don't think that good news outweighs the bad news that came from the trade deadline and the lack of activity from the Milwaukee Brewers. There is a Twitter question at Ben Z. Kenny. Uh, what is your favorite apple? You heard David Stearns talk about it. Brentley does tweet in. He said, the leader of Wisconsin athletics is my favorite apple. Now, I had to look this up. Grant, you might be more apple cultured than myself. Uh, there is an apple called the Macintosh. Chris Macintosh, I guess, is what he was oh. referring to. Yes, I am a fan of the Fiji apple. Okay. Uh, the ambrosia is delicious, just big. There's a lot of meat on the bone on an ambrosia apple. I was going to ask you, growing up, did you have, um, we had this thing in our kitchen, you would clamp to the edge of the counter, and then you would stab the apple on this thing by the core, and then it had a crank, Ooh. and it would cut the apple into one big spiral. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I did not have one, though, at my grandparents' place up in Connecticut. They have this little in-the-woods kind of cabin situation with a little pond. And my grandpa was a big gardener, so a bunch yeah. of gardens, and they had multiple of those. He's a big mushroomer. Him and his friends always go out, and he, like, builds trails and stuff. Still at his oh. age, which is ridiculous. But, yes, they had one of those, and I thought it was really cool. At my house, though, so, we did not. I've never been to the East Coast. Maybe I should ask you about this. I want to go. The other night, I couldn't sleep, and I found myself on my laptop looking at Google Maps of just, like, places I might want to visit. Have you ever been to Portsmouth, New Hampshire? No, but I've been all around New Hampshire, Vermont, Upper Northeast area. I've not, I haven't heard of Portsmouth uh, specifically. I can look at where it is. I want to go to the East Coast. It reminds me of, uh, like, I love going to Lake Superior and the beaches on Lake Superior. They yeah. kind of have a different feel than, you know, if you're in Florida or California or wherever. Never been out East, but the idea of, you know, going to your grandparents' cabin in Connecticut and slicing apples and spending a weekend in the woods, that actually sounds like my dream. The funniest part of all of that is uh, for years in my childhood, my grandfather and rest of the family, we'd all go apple picking and we'd all find a lot of apples. We'd bring it back. We'd mush it all into cider, though we didn't really drink any of the cider because my grandfather turns it all into hard cider. And then that's his (laughs) Christmas present. But it's funny because he enlists all of our, you know, 12 year old cousins and 12 year old grandkids to go do all the labor. And then he just turns it into alcohol. That's incredible. That's right. incredible. That's a little bit like the Brewers making all their hay with players that haven't reached arbitration yet, <laughs> refusing to pay them anything. And then when it comes time for them to get paid, they ship them out. Except the difference is when I got older, I now do receive those bottles of hard cider for Christmas. Is it good? Oh, it's terrific. 
I have an uncle that makes jars of apple pie moonshine every uh every Christmas and he gifts them to the family. So now I'm I'm in. I'm into the club. I receive a jar and it's great. Maybe the brewers should take a lesson. But doesn't that sound kind of dangerous? Apple pie moonshine? Yeah, because it doesn't taste like but yeah, it's very dangerous because it doesn't taste like booze. Exactly. It's like cinnamon apple juice. Oh, it's incredible. Drink it around a fire. I can only imagine drinking that around a fire in Vermont, Connecticut, New Hampshire. Again, places I've never been, but would love to visit. Not only we do that, but because there's often, and this was back when I was living in Philly, often an Eagles game, the weekend of Christmas or before or after near New Year's, there's often a home game then. And a couple years, we would actually bring that. And that's what we would drink in the parking lot to tailgate, which is a different Uh vibe than Yingling or name your light beer. But it worked. Is that before or after you throw snowballs at Santa Claus? <laughs> Where does that fall in the, the order of events of going to an Eagles game in December? It would have to be before, though. I will say I've only been to one big time snow game in my life. It was that. Do you remember 2013? The Eagles Lions game that was two feet of snow and Matt Stafford was getting sacked and he would get up and his entire face mask was covered in snow. LaShawn McCoy ran for 300 yards and was ridiculous. I I think it's a well-known snow game, but that's the only one I've been to. I can confirm there were snowballs thrown. I cannot confirm whether there were Santa Clauses in the stands, though thinking back, I, the odds tell you there was probably one. Yeah, there had to be at least one. Statistics would say, okay, so I'm who's playing quarterback in this game? I'm looking at pictures. Nick, oh, was Nick Foles at the Foles. time. Foles, yeah. Wow. The first go-around with Nick Foles. If if the Brewers played in Philly and they just had the deadline that they had, how would Philly's oh, fans God. react to it? Because I feel like Brewers fans, what, we're soft. We're not going to. Christian Yelich would be, he'd be, he'd have snowballs thrown at him if he played in Philly. I think that's a little too far, but I, I mean, I could see where you're coming from. I think the reaction, like the entire reaction now over there is it's a team that's underachieved since Girardi left. They've been better. But they've dealt with big injuries. Harper broke his hand. They haven't been fully healthy in a while, though Harper is coming back soon. But the fact that they just made the move to at least try to compete, I think is enough. Where they didn't go get Carlos Rodon or any of the big tickets. But getting Cindergaard is at least telling your fan base you're there to make moves and try to go all in to I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in eleven years. So at this point it's making the playoffs. But yeah. the reaction there, if they had the deadline the Brewers just had would be utter chaos. Like if they traded away one of their top pitchers instead of yeah. making a move, I'd, the sky would be falling. Well, you'd have to explain to them the whole Apple ordeal. Maybe then they'd get it. So we were, I, I was playing that Devin Williams cut on my show last night and he's like, oh, it doesn't make sense, you know, whatever. And I, and I was saying, did no one explain to Devin Williams? Did no one tell him about the apples? C- certainly he just must have not been informed on what's going on. Because then he'd understand. Yeah, the Williams thing was weird. I played that when you popped out for a couple minutes. I couldn't tell if he was mad that Hader was gone or happy that he was being the closer. He really just, i he seemed very careful with what he was saying. And he didn't say much. But at the end, he said, you know, uh, some things you don't get, you want to win. It's those comments yeah. that make me think that, you know the move sucks for the guys, especially in that bullpen. Cause think about instead of knowing eighth to ninth, you're set. 
You know you're mm-hmm. setting the ninth with Williams, and I feel good about Bush and Boxberger and all and Rogers now, all those guys, but it's not nearly the feeling of security that I had when it was Williams hater. And then the innings before that, even I still felt good about. I know Williams isn't the closer and he's not in that role in a classic sense. He needs to be, he he needs to be, and he will be now. I, I just, it's like Jordan love Jordan love probably wants to start. I don't know that Devin Williams is holding in all this angst because hater is keeping him out of the closer role. He wants to win. He wants to pitch in big games. He was an all-star this year. Everyone knows who he is. He's getting recognition. I, Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I mean, I still might even approach it right now as use Devin Williams in every high leverage spot you could find if Rodgers is good. But I said this at the top of the show, and it it was my first reaction when they traded Hayter about Mm -hmm. the locker room and about the message. What happens when Taylor Rodgers comes in and blows his first save? It'll probably happen at least once. What's the feeling like there? You're a big eye test guy. Taylor Rogers doesn't pass the eye test. <laughs> he looks dorky. He throws weird. I just, I don't know. He's Hobie, he's up against it. He's a upgraded Hobie Milner. Hey, no slander on my guy, Hobie. Come on now. But you're right. Absolutely. If they would have brought in, you know, someone who throws a hundred, just a bad, tough mf That's one thing. They Matt brought Bush. in Taylor Rogers. They did bring in Bush, who kind of is that, but for okay, Hater. Okay. No, but for <laughs> Hater, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with That's you. That's a good point. That's uh, a good point. Going over to Twitter at Ben Z Kenny, there are many chiming in on what your favorite apple is in honor of what David Stearns equated the trying to knock down the door to the playoffs situation as. A lot of votes for Honeycrisp. Is Honeycrisp the red one? Uh, I think it's, let me look at it. I think it's between yellow and red. Okay. I, I think. I've always been big hybrid and or just green. Yeah. The red ones, I feel like always have a little bit too much texture to them. There's always more texture oh. than you expect. Listen to you. I like, I like Fiji. I don't want a gala. Golden delicious is too mushy. Um, yeah, I think Ambrosia. I'm going to go Ambrosia for my answer. I'll tweet that back at you. Uh, Max Homa chiming in. We mentioned the live thing going into the last break. Said this league, quote tweeted the fact that the guys were suing. As I mentioned, the suing of the tour is not just suing of the money and the commissioner. It is suing of every player. So, I mean, that's a battle that's going to play out in the public eye. For pure entertainment value, I guess, sure. Good that that's happening because we could talk about it, but in terms of the future of the game, kind of sucks. Um, I mean, there aren't many other big headlines today aside from the craziness around baseball. and, and this We haven't even stuff. mentioned the Tom Brady Dolphins thing, by the way. How nuts is this week, Ben? We oh, haven't even mentioned that. I mean, it's the perfect news dump. They did it six seconds after Soto gets traded, and that trade Brilliant. sweeps the sports world. The craziest part is, I mean, Brady is untouchable. He can get coaches. uh, He could get moved from franchises. He could get coaches into retirement. And then he could even just completely tamper and try to subvert one organization and join another. And then the only people that get in trouble is just the organization that he tried to go to. You can't touch him. It's like the mob before they had Rico. Before Rico was a thing. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like they could get everyone around. They could try to work their way up the levels, but they couldn't get the guy. It's like Brady is just insulated from this all. I just have, you can't tell me that the Dolphins approached Brady and Peyton and Brady never played a deeper role in it past taking a phone call. There's no way. No chance. No, if anything, he was probably at the forefront of it. Probably trying to make it happen. You know, Tom, I, I, I feel like everything is done with a very distinct purpose. Yeah. Yes. And again, we don't talk about this enough. It would have happened if Brian Flores hadn't sued the NFL. Which is it's, nuts. It's not like this was this scheme that never saw the light of day. No, it was going to happen. And the only reason it didn't is because Brian Flores placed a lawsuit against the league. It's just banana. And yet it's also one of those things where the NFL found that as the scapegoat to punish the Dolphins as opposed to really addressing whether the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, asked Brian Flores to tank games. That is so bizarre to me because there's teams that purposefully lose or or try to lose or rebuild every year. So I and he came out and denied it. Like the statement that the Dolphins put out is up there. We, we have some absurd statements this week. The Brewers, who mentioned bites of the apple, <laughs> the Browns, who in the statement they put out about Watson recognized, we understand some might be triggered by this. Oh, they God. put that in writing. And then Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, put out a statement that's like, I categorically deny this, that, and the other thing. It's just insane week of team-issued statements. And Nick Saban called 2021 a rebuilding year for Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Which is also yeah. kind of true, by the way. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely been a week so far. All right, when we come back, there's some chatter on the Twitter sphere. Aaron Rodgers talking about a rookie wide receiver, which is it? It's a guy that's been making some headlines recently. I'll tell you what he said when we come back. It's Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills. Listen, I'm getting ripped on Twitter for not knowing what a honey crisp apple is. I know I, I looked it up. I know what it is. I usually refer to apples based on their color. To me, the honey crisp apple looks like a hybrid between a red and a green one, which I know from experience that I really like. It's probably my favorite kind. Did I know that that was the exact name of it? No. So. To be fair, not normally part of the job description. Like, you don't need to be a fruit expert to host sports talk radio, typically, but this is a wild card day. Uh, I just know what I like based on the color of it when it comes to apples. <laughs> and yes, I do love honey crisp apples. Most of the votes are for that. We did get one for Granny Smith. I, I think that is what Kurt also said, given he has a Granny Smith. Yeah, huh. family man. There's the connection. I am, uh, I'm just picturing you at Walmart. Where do you shop in? Madison Trader Joe's do they have self-checkout at Trader Joe's no they do not well, never mind I I had this image of you at self-checkout with a bag of apples and you're and you're looking at the menu trying to decide which one and you're just like red where's red and it's not on there but if you go to Trader Joe's then you don't have that issue yeah they should color coat the self-checkout machines when it comes to that 
All right, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers quarterback, just finished meeting with the media. He talked about the rookie receivers, talked a lot about training camp. Here is that conversation just now. Aaron Rodgers meeting with the media. Let's take a listen. Aaron, during mini camp, you know, you can't mention the eight and seven guys that came in for Devontae. So is it, what's the adjustment now for you? Is there any? Is it because you're still going through three, one, two, and three, or does anything change? Not necessarily. It's just that he was in the position to be the one most of the time. So now that obviously gets switched around. But I said it many times, Devontae was usually open. So when you have a usually open guy in the number one spot on many of the reads, he's going to get the lion's share of the targets. How would you rate the performance so far offense in this uh, seven days indicated? I think it's kind of gone out how we thought it would go. You know, defense, uh, other than the first day, has been giving us uh, some issues up front. But there's been some days where we've ran the ball really well, I think. I thought, you know, we had a couple good uh, periods yesterday, one-on-ones. I thought it looked really, really good for us. I love, I love doing one-on-ones, and it's good for our young guys to go against veteran guys like we had matched up yesterday. Red zone drills, you know, usually favor the defense uh, early in camp. Uh, I don't think we're doing a great job in some of the protection pickups, but the best part is there's a lot of film to correct. Coaches love that, and a lot of guys are, you know, starting to click in and, and have uh, some better practices. An offensive line, um, you know, one day you're going to get Dave back and Elton, but right now, outside of Yash, you don't have guys that have had a lot of game experience in the NFL. Is that, like, the youngest group that you've lined up behind? It's definitely a young group. Definitely a young group, but Yash has played some good football. So we have a lot of confidence in him. And I think Royce, you know, has been playing some tackle and guard for us. He's got some flexibility. And then we got to see what we have with the young guys, you know, the guys with two first names. we got to see if they can, you know, where they're going to be playing at. Uh, but I, I like what we've done uh, really at center and left guard. I think I've been really consistent. You know, when John Ryan uh, Runyon came in, John Ryan. This is funny. I was just actually talking to Mason about John Ryan, so that came out a little slip there. But uh, John Runyon, when he came in, he was a pro's pro. Maybe because he's been around his dad and seen what it looks like, but the game has never been too big for him. And Josh is such a big, wide body. Uh, although he, he's a heavy sweater, and so indoors in a day like today in a walkthrough, uh, we had to get him multiple towels. But uh, remind me of uh, Evan Dietrich Smith a little bit. But uh, I like how those guys are playing. And, and really, the other spots are up for grabs until Dave and Elton get back. No, it's never been too big for him. Uh, I really like the approach. He's a very humble kid. But you're starting to see the personality come out a little bit, which is fun to see. He's had a lot of opportunities, which has been great. You know, with Sammy not, not practicing a couple days and obviously Christian being out, a lot of opportunities for him. He's made the most of it. I thought... You know, it's not just the team stuff. I thought he ran good routes yesterday in the one-on-ones against against Stokes. And, you know, it's just a matter of the mental stuff. You know, he's still making some mental mistakes, but you expect those. Um, it's it's the uh, the approach, though, and his release patterns. He gets the ball with his hands. He's You know, every single day, you guys know you've been watching, there's been at least one kind of wow play from him, and that's kind of rare for a young guy uh, like that. Now, we've had some guys over the years kind of do that, but 
you know, they're all in the top 10, I think, in the Packers receiving history. So good start for them. Yeah, I think he's fantastic out of the backfield. He's done a lot of stuff for us in that respect. Uh, you know, coming out of the backfield and catching balls, running option routes, uh, threw a whole shot to him against Atlanta a couple years ago. Uh, he made an incredible catch against Washington, backed up uh, to kind of put that game away. So he's, you know, and then the Chiefs game at the Chiefs in, what, 19, he took a screen and went 75, ran a sluggo outside and basically scored but barely stepped out of bounds. Uh, he's very versatile. But let me just highlight the mayor of Door County. When he came in here, you know, he was a big back who you expect to be able to run power really well. And I feel like of all the people we've had in the last three years, he's got to be in a very short list of guys who have improved so drastically and his pass catching ability is really really solid and he's made difficult catches look easy over the last couple years and this training camp and I couldn't be more proud of 28 and his approach uh, the, the way that he's handled not just being a player in this locker room an ascending player but a member of this community AJ Dillon is uh, he's a Green Bay guy now how long should it take in your opinion Receiver to earn your trust. You're talking about receivers, receivers earning the quarterback's trust. Everybody matures at their own pace. How long, in your opinion, should it take? Them? I don't know. It's, it's not a should. It's just it's when it happens. It's the combination of uh, performance and preparation. Uh, those two are both really, really important. And it's the ability to recall things in the moment very quickly, to expect you know certain hand signals or adjustments in real time, and. It's a process. Everybody takes different amounts of time. It's been years for certain guys. It's been weeks for certain guys. So it's just really about the performance and when it's paired with the preparation, it's a, the beginning of the trust being built. And then it grows over the years. And like you've seen with some of the rapport I've had with some guys here, you know, it can be pretty, uh, pretty dangerous when you're speaking the same language telepathically. In that regard, just how much of a concern is it not having first chance this next week or so? Is there still plenty of time for him to catch? No, not a big concern. I mean, he's he's a really smart kid. I know he scored really high on the Wonderlick test. I want to retest if he's higher than me. But uh, <laughs> but no, he is a smart kid. Uh, you know, it's, it'd be nice if we could get him off the pup so he could do some of the walkthrough stuff. But... He'll be fine. He's super athletic. He went through the whole offseason program with us, the OTAs and mini camp, and he's been in my hip pocket. You guys have seen he's been in my hip pocket, asking questions uh, after periods and and uh, during individual time. So uh, I'm not not worried about him. Aaron, there was a day I think it was last week where you were talking to Rasul between periods for three or four minutes. You mentioned Christian. Why does a guy like you spend the time to do that stuff with other guys? Well, I want to win badly and. You got to communicate to win. Uh, with Christian and with Romeo and Samari, it's a lot of uh, me teaching them and reminders about certain situations that they probably haven't thought of before or might not have had reminded in their room, which is no knock on Jason because he does a fantastic job. But there's just little things through the experience I've had over the years that, that are good reminders for those guys. Rasul is one of the smartest guys I've ever played with. He reminds me a lot in the deepest respect of Charles Woodson. Uh, he has incredible ball skills. He baits you at practice. He has the competitive fire that, that Charles did. But 
that may have looked like me talking to him, but it was as much him talking to me. I love picking his brain because his ability to see the game and concepts, and I think it's important that we share both sides, me sharing with the defense, their disguise, uh, their uh, eye discipline on certain things that can help them. And I need their feedback, like I told them the other day, on the receivers. You know, you got to let me know because we're trying to win here. It's not about competitive advantage in practice. What can I tell these young guys on how to little things to improve the route running, uh, their eye discipline, they're just little things in the details. So I love picking uh, Jaws' brain and, and Rasul's brain, especially, and, and, uh, and Sav and, and Adrian as well. Receivers, could that become more prominent as the young receivers, only a handful of them have been in the system, kind of get you comfortable enough to, to get it out there and spread it around? I think we're just going to have to throw some of them in the fire, to be honest. Uh, we're not sure, obviously, when Christian will be back, but... You know, there's going to be in the, you know, in the two deep, which plays a number of snaps, there's going to be young players. You know, other than Allen and Randall, those guys have played with me a good amount. Jawan's played limited. Malik's played limited. Amari's played very limited. Sammy hasn't been with us. And then you got a couple, uh, a couple rookies. So we're going to have to throw them in the fire and, and, and have a little, you know, learning process. Uh, I think that's where the, uh, the patience and the, uh, the expectations, reasonable expectations will be very important. That being said, there'll be a lot of conversations between now and game one, and the expectation will be to be able to recall the important conversations and go out and execute and just be yourself. Aaron, when you, you talked at the outset of camp about your expectations for your defense, you're talented on paper. A week into camp, is there anything that stands out to you that a uh, affirmed what you thought or be surprised you in any regard with that unit or specific push? I mean, I wouldn't say surprised. I, I would say I enjoy the the some of the the pressure packages that we got in so far. I loved the, how we finished the season last year, and, and there's been some really aggressive stuff that we've been working on in practice, which is fun to go against. It tests our offense, protection schemes, and adjustments, and eye discipline. I would say the one guy that's kind of jumped out that I hadn't got to see really is is quite um you know to see him uh run around out there and make plays uh, has been great and he's with an absolute pro next to him the other thing that makes me smile the most is watching 59 because there's a little something that changes naturally when you get paid you know it gives you this uh, this ju- not justification but it kind of cements uh, the integrity of your leadership opportunity and to watch him continue to expand that role as a leader and the lead, really the leader of the defense has been, has been great to see. And along with that, you're seeing him raise up and, and give a voice to the Rashawn Garys and Kenny Clarks and, uh, you know, of the, and, and Smash. And, and then you see him, Preston, continue to step in to his opportunity as a leader. How do you feel about uh, special teams, starters playing on that if, they, if they're needed to be? I love it. I love it. You know, Rich has come in and set the standard. And not many people are talking back to him. (laughs) There he is. That's Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to a little more of that coming up next. It's Ben Kenny, Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Couple segments left before we get out of here. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
right, welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. A couple segments left until we are out of here. Grant Bill's a little telepathy talk from Mr. Rogers there. Yeah, I know we both perked up when we heard that. Thinking of Eric on I-90 and his take from earlier in the show. I'm sure once I, I get back to cutting up and getting every answer, that will be an answer we come back to constantly. I will make a point tomorrow when Bill comes back to address that again. But good stuff. I, I mean, Rogers kind of seems like he's in a good mood. You know what I thought when I was listening to that interview? I, I'm in on the Packers. <laughs> I like what I'm hearing. I like the team. Damn it. Well, and, part of that is very recently, there have been other organizations that have grossly let us down. So naturally, we look to see what's next. I think that could be a play. I also have said constantly, true. I think this team is better than last year's. Yes. I don't think it will look as pretty. And I don't think we'll see the eye-popping plays and the eye-popping statistics. I don't think they're going to be a great fantasy football team outside of maybe a couple of guys. But I think they will be a, a more difficult team to beat in important games compared to last year. Does that make sense? I think that's a good way to put it. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, the fantasy football thing, definitely. I mean, if we've learned anything in the important games is when you need to be built for that. And maybe yeah. they fell short in that over the previous couple of years. Uh, real quick, before we end up getting out of here at 2 o'clock, Brewers are back on the field tonight in Pittsburgh. 6 o'clock first pitch. Uh, Freddie Peralta makes his long, much-anticipated return to the mound. He was 3-2 and two with a 4-4 ERA before getting injured. He is back tonight, as Kurt Hogue told us. Kind of surprising he's back this early. And, I mean, he has, like, been chomping at the bit to get back, given how the Brewers manage injuries. Kind of surprising there. He will be opposed by Tyler Beatty, or Bede, however that is pronounced. He's 1-1 one one with a 3.12 ERA. If you look for guys to make a big impact, nearly nobody on this Brewers team has legitimate at-bats against Beatty throughout their careers. On the other side, Brian Reynolds threw 16 at-bats in his career against Peralta has had a lot of success. Ben Gamble's had some success. Kevin Newman as well. So a couple guys on there that have that have hit him pretty well. Right now, the Brewers are minus 207, so not much value there. They're big-time favorites over under of 8.5. I don't want to go make gross uh, conclusions or set up gross conclusions about this one game, but... The vibes are so bad right now, just everywhere. Yes. I yes. It would be great if they could just, you know, win tonight and at least soothe some of that crap. Are we saying uh, must win tonight? I haven't said it. Well, I, I mean, we're kind of dancing and flirting around it. I feel like we might be getting to tonight being a must win. Well, maybe, yeah, I've been purposefully flirting with it. Okay. I, I won't say those words. I'll just directly explain what a must win is and directly <laughs> apply it to this game. Now, um, grand scheme of I, things, obviously not, but in turn, just like yeah. vibes wise, like the vibes are so low. The team did nothing. I think there could be something there of any spiraling that could potentially happen after what has gone on over the last couple of days, beating bad teams should curtail that kind of has to start tonight. Cause last night 
I mean, everything went wrong. You get three runs. Corbin Burns comes to the mound. Bottom six, three-run lead. I thought the game was over. It's like, oh, yeah, he's been untouchable. And then one O'Neill Cruz swing, a couple walks, and it's tied. And then the Pirates take the lead. And then that top of the seventh disaster. And then it was over the other way. So, yeah. yeah. A throwing error, a pass ball. Um, Speaking of vibes, I know Kurt brought this up, and a lot of Brewers fans maybe don't want to hear this. Well, we did make an addition. We got back Freddie Peralta, you know? Ugh. Freddie is an incredible vibes guy. Like, go watch Adam McAlvey 22 minutes ago tweeted out a video. I quote tweeted it at Wisco Grant. The smile, the energy. I actually do think the vibes will be helped greatly by Freddie. I, I think that is going to be a nice shot in the arm to this team. I don't think it's enough. I, I don't, like, I would have rather gotten a bat at the deadline. But given the circumstances we find ourselves in now, and help isn't on the way. I'll take what I can get with Freddie. And I think he'll be great for the vibes because that's just kind of how he is. That's his personality. I agree on that point. Peralta coming back. It's not like they added him at the deadline. That's like kind of the way I look at trying to normalize, I guess how poor the brewers did in the last couple of days. It's like if you ever gamble and you lose 300, however many dollars in a week, you kind of normalize <laughs> yeah. it by thinking, Oh, but three weeks ago I won money and then my new paycheck will hit next week. So really, yeah. you know, it's net even or if or, you have, or you go ahead. Sorry, one finish. big night out, you go to the club or you're out at bars and you spend way too much money. You try to normalize it, right? By thinking, oh, but I get paid next week and I really didn't spend money during this time. So this is all okay. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Like getting Freddie Peralta back. It's not a deadline addition. It just feels like trying to normalize the team doing absolutely nothing. That's like when I go to the bar with my buddies and we all put a 10 into the pull tab machine and then I win bucks and the takeaway is I'm up $2, which is absolutely not the case. But that's how what I say to myself. I right. put in 10. I win two. Oh, I'm up two bucks. Well, not really. You won $2, but that's really not the how it works in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I'll say this. When it comes to the Mets, I could see an argument that DeGrom was a deadline addition because he has not thrown one pitch this season. Meanwhile, Peralta, who has been out for extended time, but he was pitching earlier in the year, and we knew this would be when he came back. The DeGrom thing, I felt like, was surrounded by a lot bigger question marks. But even so, I don't like that argument, really. Like so A lot of guys come back from injury around this time. Bryce Harper's coming back in Philly. It's like... They're not all saying, oh, look, deadline edition. We're getting all these guys back from injury. Yeah. It's like, no, you only say that if your team did nothing to bolster itself during the deadline. That's my one yeah. problem with it. The Mets added a great bat, both sides of the plate. They made additions, and then they also happen to be getting to ground back. I, I just now am choosing to try to make the best of a tough situation that I find the Brewers in. And Freddie Peralta coming back just for the vibes is going to be great. That doesn't mean it's okay how they handle the deadline. I think it's a load of crap. Yeah. But I hope to God that he is able to get back to full go soon. I can't expect like DeGrom threw 59 pitches last night. I can't really expect Peralta to come out and throw 70 to 80 to 90. You got to think it's a ramp up first. So first of all, my tax a bullpen that no longer has Josh Hader. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite him, but no, yeah, uh, no way that'll come back to bite him. Yeah. We will definitely not see uh, Taylor Rogers in a very big spot because Peralta didn't go deep. It's baseball. That's what Mojo brings real quick. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. Let's go to line one. You're on the bill. Michael show. Who do we got? 
Hey, it's Brett and Lacrosse. What up, Brett? Brett, what's what's going on, guys? Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting day to say the least. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let's uh let's look forward to the positives. Like I what? know uh, the Brewers have been the typical Wisconsin at a trade deadline team. Uh, I would so, argue worse because not only did they do nothing, they also gave away one of their best players. Well, that is very true. Very true. But the state still has a lot of positive sports ahead of oh, us. Oh, God. So if you say Wisconsin is, football. No. Okay, good. Like Grammar, what? Wait, I didn't, wait, wait, wait. Wisconsin has a football team? Unnecessary. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, so here's my question for you. Is or is not the uh, acquisition of Rosenthal in the bullpen, could that not be a big sleeper move if he comes back to how he was? I mean, yeah. Do I trust it because he hasn't thrown in two years? Like, all talks are that he looks good. I think that could be a sleeper move. But to me, I don't know how much that moves the needle. Is he going to be that much better than Brad Boxberger? No. no, like his ceiling might be Boxberger. So you have another cool, right? But it, it's another, it, it could be another good arm sitting there where it is arguably our weakest part of our pitching staff. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it weak. I just think it's more uncertain. Right. The ceiling necessarily isn't as high. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw that at the very last minute and I was like, well, this could be, I mean, if he comes back to the form he was, this could be an awesome move. And yeah, getting rid of Hater sucks, but he he's been giving away dingers like he was in the playoffs every year. So uh, no, no, I got you, Brad. I appreciate the no, phone call, man. No, I do no. want to that thing about Hater having one or two bad weeks trying to. That's the same thing I was just telling you in terms of the money thing. When you lose money yeah. gambling, then you're like, oh yeah, my paycheck's coming, so it's fine. That's rationalizing. Yeah giving away one of your best players and franchise cornerstones saying, Oh yeah, but he gave away a couple runs two weeks ago. You know how earlier in the show, I mentioned that there are a lot of teams this time of year who aren't very good, but they have one reliever who's having a great season and he's closing games for them. So they trade him and they get back some value. That's every that's, bad team ever. Exactly. That's not what this is. This that's Josh Hader has been lights out for four years. It's not like he's having one good year and it was a good time to sell high on him. He's proven for four years that he's really, really good. He normally has a down month of July. And Brewers fans didn't care about that at all in the big picture until he got traded. And now he's toast because he had a bad July. It's just trying to, I mean, it's talking ourselves into the move being a great one, which tells you enough about it, I think, when we have to go to those lengths. Let's go back to the phones real quick. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? What's up, Ben? Hey, Paulie. What up? I don't usually uh, hear from you at this hour. Yeah, well, I'm off work, so that's nice. Uh, I got you. I'm about, to go play, I'm about to go do some serious business, play some mini golf. But uh, you know me. I'm a Cubs fan. I don't really care about the Brewers or any of that stuff. But Hater, first of all, he was starting to have some bad games. And I don't think that that's a, a sign of his decline. I think it's a sign of his mental state. I think maybe – after his kid and whatever, I, I heard he wasn't going to re-sign with, with the Brewers. So if he had already told them I'm not going to re-sign when my contract's up, why 
why not get rid of them when you can get like what they got for him is probably all they could get for him at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I've said Even, all day I would rather them give him up in the off season and not trade him in the middle of the year and get a little bit worse package back. I would rather that happen and not shake up what has been a successful baseball team as opposed to trying to get one more prospect that might play in the bigs one day. Yep. I can hear that. I'm just saying, you know, we don't know the, we're not the fly on the wall stuff. So we don't know what was being said behind closed doors. If he was going to become a distraction and more upset the apple cart than, than contribute to it. Like I'm sure he's a professional and I'm sure whatever his stance on everything is that he would, you know, want to do it for the guys he's been playing with all these years. But at the same time, I can't blame them. They had to get something. Otherwise, they were going to get next to nothing. You know? I got you. I, I, I just don't I like the timing because they still had another year and a half to make a deal. I appreciate That's the phone something. call. We have to run. You're not losing him for nothing. You're getting this year and next year. That's not nothing. Yep. 100%. Uh, there was one other thing, but I forget what it is. It, it's almost 2 o'clock. We're almost out of here. This whole... Um, yeah, I would have I would have rather traded him in the offseason than what they did. In terms of just looking at the hater move, it's not the only reason we're unhappy with this deadline. We're also unhappy because yeah. not one move was made in the position and in the lineup, right? So if this was hater and then they also made a move somewhere else, I would feel okay. But when you talk about the Nets, they sold. They're a first-place team that sold at the deadline, and that is not very... Uh, reassuring, I guess, going down the stretch of the year. We're going to step away here, take a quick break. Final segment, Bill Michaels Show. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in final segment, Bill Michaels show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills. Bill will be back tomorrow. If you missed any of the program, want to hear how my very emotional self started the show today. You can search the podcast, the Bill Michaels show. It is available almost everywhere. I would argue everywhere actually that you can find podcast. I'm on Twitter as well at Ben Z Kenny. He is Wisco Grant. Um, Rumors are that there's football on tomorrow. Now, this depends on whether you count the Hall of Fame game as football. But nonetheless, there will be a game of that sort going on tomorrow. Talk about that. Uh, Leroy Butler also going into the Hall of Fame, I think, tomorrow or this weekend. Not sure the exact day, but excited to watch that. Uh, What's a Wednesday night in the Bills household hold? Ugh. Watch the damn Brewers. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. I, I also, I leave for vacation on Saturday. Yes. So I'm in on the Wisco Sports Show next week. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And I, trust me, I cannot express how appreciative I am of that. Uh, I actually just got a text from our friend David Monona because I guess I'm the one picking him up for the golf outing on Friday. So. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I'm excited. Game's in bad shape, but... Well, fun. He's he is going to make you feel like Phil Mickelson feels at PGA events or non-live events. Yeah, um, not the best analogy because he still gets cheered everywhere. But I, I mean, the key, Grant, is you're just going to have to not tell him when I'm actually swinging. 
I'm his eyes and ears. It wouldn't be ethical if I oh. misled a blind man. That'd be very ableist of me. Yeah, shame. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll get in on the action. Maybe I'll chirp you a little too. It'll be deserved. The game's in horrible shape. We'll see how that goes. I'm excited for that on Friday. I'm not going to call. Yeah, we'll see. Um, You saw me fist bump earlier while we were listening to Aaron Rodgers. Nick Castellanos went deep. It's probably because (laughs) there was some large tragedy somewhere, but that's Uh, him. Big home run. What a hero. Phillies up 3-1 on the Braves. Brewers in action tonight in Pittsburgh. Please win the damn baseball game tonight. Must win. Fix the vibes. As must win as an August 3rd game could come. All right. Thanks for hanging around, everyone. Bill is back tomorrow. See ya. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.